Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Talking about Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Topics loaded like offense, Colt centric. Talk about it often. Stampede Blue, Welcome to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show tonight. Uh, we've got our guest of the day uh, today talking about Senior Bowl, talking draft, talking different positions, and strong and weak, and who's right for the Colts and who's not. All of it. We're going to break it all down. And Zach Hicks joins us tonight uh, on the Stampede Blue Colts cast. Zach, thanks for hanging out, man. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. So let's get this bell uh, rolling here, and let's talk about the Senior Bowl. First and foremost, I just want your your initial uh, reaction to what you saw. First day there, first day of practice, first seeing these guys actually move. Who, uh, not necessarily impressed you, but who – gave you maybe a, a bit of a, a whoa Nelly on your opinion on them in that first day. Yeah. So, I mean, if any of you guys have been down to senior bowl, you know what it's like down there. Uh, but there's nothing like being at live practices. You get to see these guys up close. You get to see kind of how they move, like, you know, the route running from receiver standpoint, from DBs, you can see how their eyes are, how they move in drills. It's just a whole different experience. You know, you get closer to these prospects than you were all year. Uh, I mean, you get, you're right there next to the field. So you get a close up shot on everything. And, you know, there's some guys like uh, a guy like Debo Samuels, hmm. who everyone kind of knew going into the week, he was going to be the top dog coming in. And he just flat out dominated in the first practice. You know, he made these DBs that were covering him, who, you know, some of these guys like Rocky Sin, Isaiah Johnson, they could be solid day two guys. And they, they didn't look up to par with a guy like Debo. So you kind of see the guys who you expect dominating out there. Uh, Montez Sweat was another guy, the edge rusher out of Mississippi State. He was also pretty dominant out there when he played. So you, you see these guys who are top-tier guys, and they're like, wow, these guys up close are you know borderline first-round guys or first-round guys, second-round guys. You know, they're, they're, they're those really good players. But the guys who stand out to me, though, are those guys who uh, I had no clue who they were, guys who come into week like uh, Kalen Saunders. I had no clue who he was, Division II guy. Got, apparently was famous on YouTube for doing backflips at 320 pounds. Uh, it's actually <laughs> a really cool video. Yeah, it, it's insane. He actually did one after, I think it was the second day practice. Uh, all the team, Everybody on the field got around him, and he did a backflip in front of everybody. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, 320 pounds doing a backflip. It's insane. But when he actually gets the pads on, he lines up out there and in front of everyone. He is a monster, and he stood out from day one. So uh, it, it's really cool seeing guys like that. Uh, Keelan Doss out of UC Davis, I believe, uh, rece- really small school receiver was another guy where I was like, who is this guy? Because he's, he's flying out here. And it's really cool seeing the small school guys who come up there and, 
and look great. So uh, those guys really caught my eye. Uh, Keelan Doss, Kalen Saunders, uh, Penny Hart was another big one that a lot of people were talking about. They they all kind of caught my eye from day one, and, and they had great weeks of practice. So going through from the beginning to the end, they I think that this year they said that there were more guys. I mean, there's so many underclassmen this year, so you're getting kind of a weird uh, weird draft uh, prospectus type with, with all these younger guys coming up here. But you're looking at the Senior Bowl, and you're looking at way that these guys go from – they transition from day one to two, the last practice to the game and everything else. Who in your mind had the most impact uh, of their status going in uh, to the – or coming out of the Senior Bowl game? Like which guy raised their status the most? Yeah. Would it be – I I mean, because I've heard Sweat a lot. And yeah. I don't know if it was him or, or – there was a couple other guys, but he seemed to be the one that I've heard the most. Yeah, Sweat had a great week. Um there's still questions whether he can be like that bendy edge that teams are looking for, but I do think he kind of solidified himself as a first-round guy because he's he's just a big, strong, lanky uh, edge rusher. He's going to be able to set the edge in, in the run game. He's going to be a powerful guy, uh, and he looked like it all week. You know, he wasn't he didn't have perfect reps every single time, but you could see first-round ability. So he probably secured himself in the first round. Uh, other guys who really improved their stock, though, I think Debo Samuel um, after uh, really not really like a down year, but, you know, after an injury junior year and then kind of under the radar senior year, he really needed a big week this week to prove, like, hey, I'm still Debo, Debo Samuels. And and he came out and he looked uh, like the best receiver down there, like by far in a way. So he probably firmly put himself back up in that first and second round uh, conversation. Uh, but besides that, there, I mean, there was a lot of guys who kind of improved their stock. Um, you know, Ter- Terry McLaurin, receiver out of Ohio State, was excellent all week. His route running, his speed, his quickness. Uh, he's a receiver who wasn't really productive because of how how uh, Ohio State kind of rotates the receivers in. Mm-hmm. So he he really did a great job down there, and he he was definitely the second best receiver down that way. Um, Rocky Sin did a great job competing, and I think he solidified himself into like the day two round. So it was a lot of uh, guys really uh, really solidifying where they are. Uh, I don't really think anyone really jumped up. Maybe Kalen Saunders jumping up to like day two, mm-hmm. uh, but. Besides that, I mean, the top guys kind of, kind of solidified their status for sure. More of everybody just uh, confirming what they've where where they're at. Yeah, for sure. Like I don't I don't really think like like we saw Penny Hart have a great week, for instance, and uh, Andy Isabella had great weeks, but I don't think they made like a big jump from like day three to day one. I think a lot of them were like, "Hey, this guy could be a day two guy." Okay, he is a day two guy, kind of stuff like that, which is great. That's what the Senior Bowl is for, right? Um, but stuff like that. Another guy to mention, uh, just just while I'm going off the top of my head, uh, Garrett Bradbury, uh, center from NC State. Apparently, he interviewed really well all week. Teams love him. He was named a captain going into the Senior Bowl game. And then in the practices, he you know he's a little bit undersized, but he was handling some really strong guys after a couple bad reps on the first day. So I think he solidified himself as a day one guy as well. Interesting, because that you know, and even not only that, but we look at the. Obviously, the other side of the line of scrimmage there with the Colts D-line, there's a lot of help needed there. But we were talking about this wide receiver group here. Um, where are you at on this? Because I've had been asked this a couple times uh, specifically about wide receivers. Do, could I see the Colts grabbing one in the first round this year? And we've kind of gained a little bit of knowledge into what we expect from Chris Ballard in terms of the draft process. Um, I, I've, I feel like it'd be a stretch that you would get a receiver with that because I feel like there is more 
important talent and more desperately needed talent at other places as opposed to wide receiver. And I think that it's kind of just because of the way that the class has been described. There's a couple of guys that are legit, possibly first and second rounders. But then what does it do after that? Yeah, it's a, it's a really deep class. There's a couple top good? guys. I know there's there's guys like Kelvin Harmon, who people love, uh, DK Matt, Metcalf. They weren't at the Senior Bowl, but those guys are kind of the top dogs of the receiver group. Uh, but like you said, when it comes to Ballard and addressing receivers, I really don't think he's going to address one in like round one, yeah, maybe that's... not even in round two, because uh, I have a I have a piece debuting tomorrow uh, called a build a Ballard piece. Um, <laughs> it's I'm really excited about it. I've been work I've been kind of prepping it for a while now, but apparently it's a uh, my idea is that I look at like past draft classes, so his two drafts with the Colts and his drafts with the Chiefs, and see kind of where he values positions, what he values in positions, and also where his main mentor and, and Dorsey valued positions. And throughout his entire time being in the NFL, Chris Ballard, he's only drafted, I believe, six receivers mm-hmm. in you know his ten years of being in a prominent position or eight years of being in a prominent position. And only one of them was with it was in the first two days. So I really don't know how much he values receivers. Who knows? He might surprise me and come out with a guy on, on day two. But he's only drafted one guy on day two, and that was Alshon Jeffrey. And he was, and Ballard was the director of pro personnel at that point. So right. I don't know how much he really values receivers. He he could be completely on the up opposite and say, look, I need a receiver. I'm going to get one day one. But I I would kind of doubt it. But luckily for Colts fans. It is a really deep receiver class. There's not so much talent at the top. Like DK Metcalf is good. Kelvin Harmon's good. But the depth was great, and it really showed at the Senior Bowl. A lot of guys who were kind of under the radar were just dominating all week. So it, it's a really deep class. So if the Colts don't go a guy in the first round or even the second round, there's still a lot of talent to be had later in the draft. Yeah, and I think that – I mean, I have a, a positional piece coming out tomorrow for the uh, the podcast as well, so I don't want to go too deep into what my thoughts are on the wide receiver group there. But I just – Man, I mean, the Colts have a lot of free agents at the position. Uh, they've got some guys who have worked out. You know, I think that it'd be hard for me to see them drop uh, unless it was just something that they felt would take the offense to the next level. You know, that that you never really know what kind of input Frank Reich is going to have on that process either. Mm-hmm. So you look at it and you kind of think, yeah, it doesn't really feel like that would be something they'd want to do in the first round versus some of the other positions, obviously, that they need some help. Uh, especially, but you know, if there's a guy that he thinks it could be that offensive game changer, it would be interesting to see how that played out. But uh, let's let's go to uh, the running back group. Not not such a big group, a desperate need, I don't think, for the Colts at all. Um, I think that they could, you know, I think any backfield can improve with more talent, obviously. But was there anybody in this the in this group, this running back group, that you would like? to see the Colts go after way far be it from round first anywhere from the first to the fourth round. Yeah. So it wasn't a great group of running backs down there. I'm not going to discount these guys and say it was a poor group, but it wasn't really like a, a wow you group. Like last year, even they had uh, Rashad Penny who was down there. They had Kalen Balazs, a couple of wow guys down there. Uh, this year you really didn't have that kind of, you know, big name player like Dexter Williams is, was probably the top guy down there. Uh, but I don't know how big of a name he's going to be in this class. I only know he's a top 10 running back in this class. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was clearly the best guy, and I think he kind of does fit what the Colts want to do. I think they they like having their guys work out of the gun. The running backs like to find holes and get upfield quickly. And Dexter Williams does a great job of that, planting his foot and getting up the field. Uh, so he'd probably be a really great fit with the Colts. Uh, Ryquel Armstead, I believe his name is, at a Temple, 
would also be a good fit with the Colts. He's a very strong runner, uh, broad-shouldered guy, big guy. He can run through contact. Uh, besides that, though, I don't. I didn't really see many guys who I really thought would fit the Colts. I wasn't really focusing on the running backs too much because of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Armstead and and Dexter Williams, I think, would be solid fits if the Colts decide to address the running back position. Could you even see the Colts doing that anywhere in the first three rounds? First three rounds, probably not, uh, especially by the way, because Ballard had an interview recently. I remember I was listening, and he, you know, he was hyping up Marlon Mack, Jordan Wilkins, Naeem Hines, right. and also John, even Jonathan Williams. He was uh, giving shout outs to. So I think he really likes the running back group. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's going to add anyone, maybe like a guy like a, a Quadria Olison out of Pittsburgh, like late in the draft, like a fullback versatility, big guy, uh, maybe something like that in like the sixth or seventh round. But I, I really don't see first three rounds, in, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I don't either. I, I'm kind of. Just hoping to get your feel for, you know, yeah. where you see not only the, the the big players, but where the Colts are needing it. So, uh, folks, we're going to take a quick break real quick, and then we're going to come back with more from Zachary Hicks. We're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball right after this. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, folks, we're back. Uh, Zach, let's go to the defensive side of the ball now. Let's talk about the D-line. Uh, you've got your top performer as Kalen Zan- uh, Saunders from Western Illinois. Tell me about him. Tell everybody about him. Where where did he, you know, kind of become this rising star of the defensive line? Yeah, he was he was tenacious all week, man. I think that's that's probably the best word to describe him. Like there was some reps where you could see he's pretty raw of a player, you know, playing at a smaller school and he's a big athletic guy. You could see that in smaller schools he can just come up high off the line. He can you know, he, you don't have to really be a technician at these smaller schools. So there was times where, you know, he was getting beat initially because he was not playing with the best technique. Hmm. But just his pure strength, his pure athleticism was on display early. I mean, there was one rep, I believe it was against Michael Dieter from Wisconsin. It was one of those Wisconsin guys. Uh, but, like, he he lost the rep early, got, was stumbling off the break, 
and he just put his right arm up right into the chest of the guard and drove him all the way back and and knocked him into the ground. It was it was a sight to see. And and then in the game, you know, he had a sack up the middle. It, yeah, he sacked uh, Will Greer early in the game, and then I believe he had a couple pressures in the game as well. So Kalen Saunders just all week was really impressive, and and he was he was just tough to block. And I think you know put on top that he was a rising star coming into the game, uh, rising star coming into week uh, is what I mean, but. I mean, overall, just a great week for him. He was just all over the place, and I was really impressed. And I think that he could be a great fit with the Colts with hit, with their like gap shooting scheme. I think that could be a a role that he could excel in. Is he somebody that they could see there at the bottom of the first? I don't know if he's going to fly up that high uh, unless he had a dominant dominant uh, combine. I think more of like the late second round pick, maybe even the late third round pick, depending because you know he's a small school guy, right? And he wasn't super super productive at. Uh, at, at the FCS level so I don't know how high he really is going to go but I think that late second maybe the late third pick even uh, I think that could be a guy that they would target now you had obviously some other guys here uh, DeMarcus Christmas out of Florida State what was so what made him the underrated performer of the week again yeah just uh, another guy who his athleticism really showed and I didn't really see much of that on tape uh, so that kind of flew under the radar when I was kind of coming to the week but he's he, he looked pretty athletic in there he's he's kind of more of a run stuffer type guy so he could fill that Al Woods role uh, for the Colts. But, yeah, he, he's not a very productive guy at Florida State. Probably can be had on like a day three type guy. Hmm. But, again, had really good reps during the one-on-ones, was very strong player at the point of the attack, uh, and then boasts some athleticism too. So I think uh, day three guy who can be like more of a run stuffer, more of a Grover Stewart type Al Woods type guy, I think that the Colts could add him to that rotation and have another run stuffer in there. So we're, let's talk about the D-line for a second, the way it currently is constructed even. Where do you see them? Where do you see their biggest need along that defensive line? What what kind of player do you feel that they need to add to make that defensive line better? Because they had the rotation there this year. Now, granted, some of the a couple of these guys are, are free agents coming up, but I mean they had the rotation there of you know whether it be Hunt and you know Grover Stewart or you know regardless of who they had up there Ridgeway, they had a move. They had those a couple of those guys up there for the run specific. And then they would rotate Hunt in there and some other guys during passing downs, especially in the interior side. Where do they need that? Because it seems like they want the versatility over over anything. Is there a specific guy that they're going to target, you think, uh, to really boost that defensive line? Yeah, I think personally what I think is early in the draft they're going to try to target a versatile like athletic guy to kind of fill that Marcus Hunt role. Even if they bring back – Marcus Hunt, I think they want kind of that versatile, uh, do everything, especially guy who can pass rush. I think they're going to want that early in the draft because because that's just hard to get, especially from the interior. Uh, and this is a very loaded defensive line class. Like the guys who are standing out down in Mobile, aren't even like the top five or maybe even top ten defensive linemen in this class. It's that deep of a class. So I think the Colts are going to really, you know, look at that and say we can get ourselves an interior pass rusher. We can get a very good player on the inside. Maybe like a guy like Christian Wilkins out of Clemson, a guy who can be a gap player but also can shoot shoot the gaps and and be a pass rusher so I think they're looking for that and I also think they're looking for a depth uh, run defender too because with Al Woods kind of leaving with likely leaving the team right they're going right. to need another uh, run de- run defender type guy in there as well so I think they're kind of looking for both at this point a gap shooting pass rusher along with a run defender mm-hmm. uh, but I think with the earlier picks they're going to be looking for more of those guys who can penetrate quickly who can make plays in the passing game uh, and can really pressure the quarterback and, you know, we saw a little bit of what the Colts, uh, you know, thought of some of their edge guys uh, later on in the season. You know, we get 
first and foremost, we get, you know, I guess we get something out of Jabal Sheard. I think Sheard has had some pretty good, you know, plays. He's had some pretty good time uh, playing uh, there on that edge. But you see, like, when Tyquan Lewis came back, they wanted him on the edge uh, opposite him, and then they'd kind of move him around as well. Obviously, you know, they like what they kind of see for future endeavors with a couple other guys, but I'm kind of – Wondering if maybe this year they maybe try to move Taekwon into more of an interior role and and kind of really target these edges. Do you see him being more of a mainstay at either position? I do think they like him a lot on the edge uh, on early downs because he's he's just a really good run defender. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like early in the year you can kind of see the effect of that because I really think he could be. Had, I really think yeah. he could be like low key like like one of the best players along their line next year. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I yeah. really have a lot of uh, hope for him because I think he's got it all. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, the Alkadin, Muhammad, and Kamoko Ture uh, rotation they had earlier in the year, mm-hmm. they kind of got, like, those two players kind of, like, you know, lesser version of Ture, obviously, the pass rusher, but they kind of got those guys put together with Taekwon Lewis. And I think that was a great get for them coming back, and it's why, you know, with, with Ture kind of dealing with an injury, along with him not being a great run defender, why we saw Ture kind of fade out of the lineup, because Lewis was a very good run defender, along with being a pretty solid pass rusher. And I think that they love that out of him, and I think that that's why they, they played him so much at end for a lot of the year. Right. But, you know, it, it could be something they explore. Uh, I saw them play him at defensive tackle a couple times on pass rushing downs. I don't think he's really got the size to be like an every down guy on the inside, but uh, as a pass rusher type guy, we saw him do it a lot at Ohio State. He's so quick and he's so fast and strong that he can beat guards in, in the middle. So the Colts mm-hmm. might explore something like that. I know Matt Eberflus likes to play around a lot with his personnel on defense. So that could definitely be something they do. But overall, I do think they like Lewis. I think he can be a future like mainstay. Maybe the guy who takes over for, Sher- for Sheard when Sheard leaves the team eventually. Uh, but overall, yeah, I, I like Lewis wherever they're going to put him. He's just a good player. Yeah, me too. So we, we, we need to see and kind of try to decide how we see – this front four kind of shaping up because we move over to the edge and that's a need too, as we've just explained, you know, I mean, for the, for the short term, long term, and everything, they're going to draft an edge guy out of this class. The question is where do they really see the value in that versus what they feel they need going into immediate and looking for like just a two year span uh, from the edge class. Cause they've got complete opposites in Trey and Taekwon Lewis and in terms of youth. So what are yeah. they going to be adding? Is there another type of edge rusher that they can bring in that would bring some sort of a trio, a mix of the two? I don't know if there is one in the draft class. Maybe Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat could be one that they could bring in because he's a, he's a big-time pass rusher, and he's also got the size and strength to be a run defender. So maybe in the late first round they could go after a guy like Montez Sweat. I still think that they're going to go after edge in free agency. I, I don't think that you know Demarcus Lawrence and all these big-name guys are really going to hit the market, but – you know, they're in prime position to make a run in a guy like Trey Flowers, a guy like uh, Preston Smith out of uh, the Washington edge rusher, mm-hmm. uh, Preston Smith. They, they're in prime position to make a run at one of these two guys, and they both are kind of a blend of Ture and, and Taekwon Lewis, where they're both really good pass rushers, maybe not like sack numbers, but they get a lot of pressures, 
and they're both really good run defenders. So I think those are going to be the two main targets. But if they do miss on both those guys or Ballard's not comfortable paying them the, the top dollar, I do think a guy like Montez Sweat maybe in the first round or that uh, early second round would be a good pick for him because he can kind of do both of those things. Interesting, because I think the Colts see that they've got some of that youth. You know, like you mentioned, even Kadeem Muhammad, he's he's young, and he yeah. performed this year too. Is I mean, you know, they're not going to pick him, I don't think, necessarily over a premier edge rusher if they were to pick between the two. But that, that's the beauty about all this. They want to add as much talent as they can, and I think that he's uh, Ballard's done an excellent job of that. So it kind of makes some of these, even though you see that there are positions of need, such as defensive end and more specifically an actual impact edge rusher, you know, you, you do see that this is kind of tightening up. There are guys who can play and maneuver within this system, but there are also guys that they definitely need to make those big plays, to be that 10, 12 sack a year guy with the potential to get 15 or 16. Yeah, they need a premier guy, uh, and you can never have too many pass rushers. You know, Kamoko Ture showed a lot last year. Uh, Taekwon Lewis showed a lot. Jabal Sheard has showed a lot for the last couple years. But you need the premier guy. You need the guy who third down late in the game, the other team's driving to maybe take a lead who can get you that big sack. And I think the Colts don't really have that yet. And that's definitely, like, priority number one this offseason. Mm-hmm. So let's look uh, for a little bit further back in the uh, in the defense now, look at the secondary Go to the corners because, you know, the corners is kind of a, a funny bunch a little bit with the Colts. When you've got DeSir, who's set to hit free agency, uh, you've got some other guys in there that are capable. Obviously, you've got Kenny Moore. You, you don't really know how they feel about Quincy Wilson right now, you know, going from season to season. Uh, they can say what they want during the season because that's their guy. You know, in the yeah. offseason, you've got real questions to ask of, is that the next guy? Or the top, you know, the, one of the top three guys, unquestionably, you know, how do you spend these draft picks trying to get premier, uh, you know, pass defenders? And that's what they absolutely need is a guy that can come in there and be that lockdown. The Colts need at least one lockdown, despite the fact that they're not going to be a heavy man-to-man team. So who did you see from the Senior Bowl this year that kind of blends the ability to be that man-to-man guy in certain coverages and allow the Colts defense to probably be a little bit less predictable uh, but also a guy who can excel in those zones. Yeah, you're not going to like the answer here. Uh, the corners did not look great uh, down in Mobile. Uh, the receivers, again, the receiver group was really deep down there. Uh, and these corners looked just overmatched and overwhelmed all week. There was a couple guys who caught my eye. Uh, I like Rock Jasin all week, the corner out of Temple. He moves really well. He's very clean mover. I think he has potential to be uh, probably a really good number two corner in the NFL. Hmm. Uh, his press work does need a lot of work, though, and he's uh, he he prides himself in his press, but he's not very physical at the line, and his press technique is just a little off right now. But again, he moves really well. He competes at everything. He's really good at attacking the ball in the air. Uh, so he was probably the best corner down there, but I still think he's probably a late day two, maybe early day three guy. Overall, it just really wasn't that great a corner group, and they I didn't really see any like lockdown guys down there, uh, mostly depth guys. Uh, this class is fairly weak at corner and when I say weak I mean like there's like four or five guys at the top of the draft class who are really good and after that the class kind of drops off to a lot of uh, depth guys or guys with potential oh really so even from the underclassmen it's not great no I mean there's guys like Greedy Williams who have a lot of upside who just didn't really put all of it together on tape Uh, DeAndre Baker would probably be a guy who fits what you were just talking about a guy who can be a lockdown guy but right now is just great in zone that's kind of DeAndre Baker out of Georgia he's probably 
uh, the best fit. And he might be there with the 26th pick if Ballard wants to go that way in the first. Uh, but yeah, besides that, there's really not that many corners. Uh, Byron Murphy, maybe, out of uh, Washington. But again, out- outside of those top like three or four guys at corner, there's just a lot of intriguing guys, but not really many guys where you'd be like, okay, I can get this guy in the third or fourth, and I can probably play him right away. There's not really many of those guys in this class. So what do you propose that the Colts do at corner then? Honestly, I really liked the main trio they had last year. Uh, if it was up to me, I would definitely bring back Pierre Desir. Mm-hmm. I would – uh, you know, roll with Kenny Moore and Quincy Wilson because I liked how Wilson developed down the stretch. And yeah. and obviously, I'm a big Kenny Moore guy. I'm wearing his T-shirt right now that I bought <laughs> the other day. Uh, Kenny freaking Moore, football number 23, $10 on, on Google. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not paid to promote this, by the way. It's just a great shirt. I'll go go, <laughs> go to my shirt, Twitter. <laughs> go to my Twitter and check out more. Inf- no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Kenny Moore was great last year, like, probably one of the top five players on the team last year for sure uh but i i like the the main trio they have i do think they need to add more youth and i think they really do need more depth uh a guy who i really like too i don't want to spoil too much because i have a a cool new series starting on friday and he's the main focus point of the first thing but uh Mm -hmm. jordan brown out of south dakota state a 6-1 guy moves really really well uh, he's kind of going under the radar because he's a small school guy, but he moves well. He's really good in zone, and I think he can be a good depth guy for the Colts. And I think that's kind of what I want them looking at, like young depth guys that they can kind of develop behind your main trio. Mm-hmm. And then maybe in a year or two, you can hit the big market, look for a guy. But I, I like rolling with these guys right now. I really like rolling with these three guys. They really put something good together late in the year. And I think uh, I, I honestly think safety is more of a pressing issue right now than corner if they bring back Pierre Desir. So let's talk about that then. Let's go to the safety. So why is it more of a pressing issue in your opinion? So Malik Hooker didn't have a bad year by any means last year, but he he's just – he is what he is. He's more of a deep safety. He can't really be an alternating safety that can come in the box, which is fine. Uh, he's, he, you know, he made a couple plays last year. Teams were not attacking him deep. I think what they really do need, though, is a is a comfortable a guy who's comfortable being in too high. I really like Clayton Gathers. I think he's a great special teamer. I think he's a great uh, box safety. I don't think he's a great too high safety. I don't think he really offers much in terms of instincts or anticipation mm-hmm. on the back end as a too high safety. So I would really like, uh, you know, this is definitely just my opinion here, but I would really like they if they brought in, you know, through free agency or draft, a guy who can play across from Lee Cooker in that back end there, which you can open up Gathers playing more in the box and more of that money backer role on third downs. Mm-hmm. I would like to kind of give Gathers more of that flexibility to come more in the box, along with having a more dependable guy on the back end. So I think if they can add a, a very good safety back there, it'll make the corners better, it'll make the linebacker, it'll make the whole defense better if you can add another, you know, it doesn't have to be a great safety on the back end, but a solid safety across from Lee Cooker on the back end with great, you know, a guy who has good instincts and anticipation better than Gathers back there. Right. And I think that the Colts did pretty well back there the way that they have their, you know, Odom surprised this year and played pretty solid. I mean, he wasn't great yeah. by any means, but he was pretty good back there. Corey Moore was effective sometimes. Obviously, Mike Mitchell came in and did, was a big help. But that's a it's an interesting safety class already because they've got a couple guys who are really young and Odom being, you know, an undrafted rookie coming in there and really played good football this year. And in, in my opinion, for an undrafted guy. So, I mean, I, I agree with you on all of your points in terms of Gether's role. It, it's going to probably be squished a little bit next year. At least it should be, 
you know, yeah. and, and, and that provides that they find the right talent through the offseason at some point in there. Are there any of the guys that are underclassmen, uh, Zach, that are going to be looking to rise up the safety group that might be somebody that Boward wants to get in the first couple rounds? Underclassmen, I, I like Deontay Thompson out of uh, Alabama. I know a lot of guys are, are kind of souring on him because he had a couple rough games there to end his uh, last year here with Alabama. But, I mean, if, if the Colts were to add him – at say pick 26 or pick 34 and put him across from Malik Hooker I'd feel a lot more confident about this defense he's a guy who can hit he can kind of move he moves pretty well like a lot of people are saying he's not the greatest athlete but he's definitely a 4-5 guy I don't see him running any worse than 4-6 great anticipation really polished safety and I think he would be the perfect complement to go next to Malik Hooker so if he somehow falls to 26 or even 34 kind of like Landon Collins did a couple years ago out of Alabama like I think that would be the guy to add uh, another guy I really like, though, is Will Harris out of Boston mm. College. Very polished guy. He can play in the box. He can play over top. He can play man. Like, he can do it all. So whatever the Colts would need him to do, I think he can do it. And and he's just a very polished, very uh, effective and safe guy on the back end. I think that's kind of what you need next to Malik Hooker. So either one of those guys, I think, would be home run picks uh, to pair with Malik Hooker. Nice. Excellent. So let me ask you just a general question then. How, how did the – the senior bowl go this year with his new director in place and everything else. Was it, was it nice? We guys have a good time. Oh yeah, dude. It, it, it's so fun down there. I, I recommend if any, you know, young writers, young podcasters, uh, anyone really is, is listening to this, get down to the senior bowl at least once, uh, you know, anytime, you know, any year that makes most sense for you, obviously don't break the bank and, and get broke and go down there. But it's, it's uh it's a great time. You meet a lot of people I, this year. I exchanged numbers with the, like the lead scout and developer of, of uh, Madden, I talked to Viking scouts. I talked to you know a bunch of like I I just you know you get a lot of connections. You meet a lot of people down there. Uh, sure. Sports agents I've exchanged numbers with down there. It, it's just a really fun thing, and and overall it's just a really fun week. You get to talk to some players. I make some connections with players and and other people. So I, I highly recommend going down there. It's a blast. And, and Jim Nagy did a great job. I know there was a lot of people. Uh, bashing him for a couple guys he didn't invite but you know he, he did a great job I, it was a great event even the day they canceled practice we weren't allowed to go there he was on top of it and and sent the film to us exclusively so uh overall just a great week and and Jim Nagy is was a big part of that for sure awesome that's great um it is a, a fun event you never hear anybody coming away from it saying that they didn't have a good time so um Zach, good to talk to you about both sides of the ball tonight. Kind of look back and, and discuss some free agency options, just and then a little bit broader uh, in the off-season uh, options all the way through and looking at some of the underclassmen in the draft and everything else. So thank you for uh, jumping on the show tonight. Really appreciate your insight, and it was great stuff, man. I think, like I said, you were going to be teaching me as much as anybody who's listening. So uh, I know that I learned a lot, and I got a lot of names that I'm going to have to start my – actual film study on and it's going to have to happen soon so uh, i appreciate all your insights on that and i know everybody else does too yeah i appreciate that man again if, if you guys come away with anything from this podcast just know i you know a lot of guys from this draft class pretty solid group overall but kenny more t-shirts on my twitter page <laughs> ten dollars <laughs> just kidding i'm not promoting the t-shirt i just want to say it's a great t-shirt i wear it every night Go Kenny Moore. But again, this draft class is solid. The Colts should come away with a, a pretty good haul. Uh, I, I trust Chris Ballard more than I trust myself in a lot of situations. So 
uh, overall, I think it's just going to be a great draft class for the Colts, and it's it's exciting going forward and uh, you know being able to evaluate these guys and seeing what uh, Ballard's going to like come draft time. It absolutely is exciting, especially with everything that they've got working toward, you know, or that they are working towards. They've definitely got themselves in a good position going forward for the very near future. Some really impressive draft class right now could really be critical to the Colts' long-term sustainability in several different areas, and especially some of the needed areas right now, as long as, I mean, obviously thinking that the O-line holds up for a year or two, you know, a couple of these places they've gotten stronger, the tight end group is as thick as it's ever been again, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, all of that holds up provided that then the Colts have a real chance here to make some moves with some really young players and hopefully make an impact in the AFC and, and going forward and continuing getting themselves back to several playoff berths, you know, uh, of various kinds. So uh, it's a good time to be a Colts fan. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, the future is definitely bright for sure. Absolutely. So thank you guys all for listening. Thank you, Zach, again for joining the show tonight, folks, make sure you guys are getting to the podcast on iTunes. Give us a rating and review. Uh, hook us up with any knowledge you want us to know about on there. Uh, everything's helpful and feedback is great. So uh, make sure you guys are following Zach if you're not already on Twitter. Zach, what's your handle, brother? At Zach Hicks 2. Not too difficult. Uh, somebody at house had Zach Hicks 1, so add Zach Hicks 2. <laughs> so go follow Zach on Twitter, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. I believe our next show is going to be the wide receiver group where we talk offseason, current group on the roster, and uh, just everything that could be coming from that group and what we could expect next season. So got that podcast coming tomorrow. That'll be good for you guys. But other than that, we'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue.